Welcome to the FitPro Podcast, a brand new initiative from FitPro for forward-thinking professionals who want the latest information while on the move. We hope you enjoy this week's pod, and for further information about today's podcast, head over to our social media pages and start the conversation. And to offer feedback and suggestions for future podcasts, get in touch with us at publish at fitpro.com. Hello and welcome to the FitPro Podcast. I am Jack Mallinson, FitPro's Editorial Assistant, and today I am joined by Jane Johnson. Hello, Jane. Jane is a author of a number of texts which will guide you for a journey of stretching, massage and posterior correction. She's a chartered physiotherapist and massage therapist and she runs a number of professional development workshops covering all different sorts of injury topics. Was that introduction all right, Jane? Yeah, it's fine. Postural correction, not posterior correction. Oh, sorry. That's okay. So would you, um, would you like to introduce yourself to the, the fit pros out there? Is there anything you'd like to add? Yeah. Well, yeah, only to say that, um, yes, I call myself the Friendly Physio. I've got a Facebook group called the Friendly Physio where I try to support and inspire health and fitness professionals to feel confident and uh, confident in what they do. And I was actually a fitness instructor for many years when I was much younger, before I did my um, physio and massage training. And I'm just coming to the end of my PhD. So portfolio career, as my friend, my American friend would call it. <laughs> How's your PhD going? Is, that, um, is it fun? You know, it's a three-year funded PhD. It's um, funded by the Royal College of Chiropractors and Teesside University. They wanted me to develop a, a postural assessment app that's very specific for the use of chiropractors who are treating people with back and neck pain. So we've made the app and I'm just coming to the end and I'm, it's all been tested and trialled and all that kind of thing. Oh, absolutely fantastic. That sounds great. So should we dive straight into therapeutic stretching then? Yeah, let's do it. So would you be able to describe what it is? What characterises therapeutic stretching? Well, I knew you were going to ask me the question, so I've made a couple of bullet points. And it's stretching that's performed with the intention of deliberately facilitating an improvement in a person's physical or psychological well-being. So some of your listeners are probably already doing it, and some of them might be thinking they're doing it but not doing it quite right, because it's used to bring about a very specific therapeutic outcome. So it's, it's tailored to the client, and again, some of your listeners might be thinking, well, I'm already tailoring my stretches to the client, but... I thought I'd just jump in. Is it okay with you, Jack, if I just give you a couple of examples? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so if you think about someone who's been immobilised following injury or illness, um, they might be bed-bound for a period of time, and you think, oh, well, their lower limb is going to need some stretching because they've been bed-bound, and you think, oh, maybe it's a calf stretch that they need. Giving them sort of general calf stretches isn't necessarily therapeutic because what you'd need to do is to differentiate between which, which muscles in the calf need stretching. And some of your listeners will know that we've got a deep muscle, a soleus, and we've got some other deep muscles, the, the long toe flexors, but we've also got the calf muscle over the top, the gastrocnemius. And quite often, one of those is tight and the other one isn't. So uh, quite often, soleus is tight. So giving a general calf stretch wouldn't necessarily stretch soleus. So to give that person a therapeutic stretching program, you would have identified that it's actually that deep muscle that needs stretching, which isn't going to be stretched in a general calf stretch. So that's one example. And then another example would be if you had someone, say, following a wrist injury, and they can't do their gym program because they've, they've, you know, they've sprained or strained their wrist or something like that, or they've had a, a fractured wrist. Again, uh, as a physio, I often see people and they're given what we call flexion and extension exercises, so, you know, bending your wrist down and up again. But 
for a, a stretch to be really effective in recovering from a wrist injury, what that client would need to do are what we call radial and ulnar deviation. And they simply mean, you know those waving movements you might have seen of cartoon character waving? Yeah, so that's that, Yeah, that's that side-to-side movement. I was going to say the way the Queen waves, but actually she doesn't <laughs> wave like that. She doesn't do that side-to-side movement. She does a, like, a, little, a little curling movement. A little circle. Um, yeah, that's right, a little circle. So the, the, uh, they'd need to do a side-to-side movement as well, as well as what we call supination and pronation stretches, so turning the palms up and turning the palms down. So that's an example of how just giving someone a flexion extension stretch in one of those, and that isn't really therapeutic stretching. That's kind of generalised. And the key about therapeutic stretching is it's really specific. So it's not just specific to the client, but it's very specific to what they need. So what the, what the um, your fitness instructors would need to do, your fit pros out there, is to identify what is the specific limitation that you're clients facing and again as we go through the, the podcast I'll explain how it's not necessarily a physical limitation that sounds great so it is so pinpointed and so specific to the, the needs of the client then it is yeah so moving on to the two different modes of stretching then would you be able to t- tell us about active and passive stretching within therapeutic stretching yeah absolutely so um, active stretches are the strikes that the stretches we give clients to do themselves and passive stretches are the stretches that we do for them you know we do on them now there are some slight variations in that but i think if you keep that distinction listeners keep that distinction in their minds that's the best way to think about it so for example going back to the calf if a person does their own calf stretch that's an active stretch but if i pop them on a couch or i put them on a couch not supposed to say i pop them on a couch now and say would you like to sit on this couch <laughs> the word pop apparently is slightly demeaning if we ask them to please sit on the couch and i stretch the calf for them then that's a passive stretch and of course a, a stretching program can include both of those things of course so what our fitness professionals will be doing will be prescribing active stretching for their yes, clients probably and i think you know when i trained as a fitness instructor we did do some passive stretches mm. i trained many many years ago i was actually at the ymca in london it was a long time ago when i was in my 20s and i can still remember it and we had to practice all the, a, a range of passive stretches on on each other you know that you've probably seen fitness instructors doing hamstring stretches that's really common isn't it mm. what i've noticed is that there seems to be a, a predominance for stretching the lower limb and maybe the chest. And actually, the fitness instructors don't do as much on the hands and the wrists and some parts, maybe because they're not taught and they're a bit anxious, you know. But they've still got the skills to do that. And I'm, and I'm a real fan of, you know, people really upping upping their bar, you know. Yeah, of course. So do you think that people should be more pro, pardon the pun, proactive in provide, um, providing passive stretching? Well, I just think that I know we all have to work within our professional boundaries, but I think if you're training something, um, you could go on another, you know, and you've lost your skill or you're a little bit anxious about it, there are many courses out there that you can go on little workshops just to revise how to do that safely. And I think, you know, it's, it's, we're missing an opportunity here. One of the things I was going to uh, say later on in the podcast is that I'm a real fan of integrating health professionals. So having fitness professionals work uh, to a greater extent with physiotherapists, and I know some of them do, but I just don't think we do it enough because, unfortunately, in the physiotherapy profession, it's very well documented that uh, most people just don't um, follow their stretching programs. And I think, you know, those places where there is a fitness instructor on site, you know, they have a gym that has got um, a fit pro there, that those people are probably likely to be to recover better than, than, than likely to have much better outcomes. 
Yeah, of course. Well, it makes sense because it's engaging and it's not just avoiding that something which has been actively prescribed. So uh, we've kind of touched on it very briefly, but how do you believe that fitness instructors should successfully prescribe active stretching for their clients? Okay, so taking you know sort of one one step at a time. So what you need to do is identify the appropriate stretch or stretches, and I would recommend really limiting the number of stretches that you give a person because the research shows that the more fit stretches we give them, the fewer they do, with some exceptions. And the exceptions to that are people who are top athletes; they're, they're heavily engaged, maybe in recreational fitness. Those people want more stuff, but the general population, someone that's just using a gym on a regular basis or recovering from injury, they don't. They're very bad at following uh, stretching advice so we need to limit how much we give them and then modify it to suit the client so for example do they need to sit down to do it do they need to stand to do it do they have to lie down to perform the stretch and think it and there are lots of books out there that give you a a variety of of stretches you can even google you know different stretching positions for the same kind of muscle and then plan with a client when and where they're going to be performed and that is actually crucial and that's something that for example if you're working in a very busy musculoskeletal outpatient department as a physio very often people are given a you might only have 20 minutes with that client that patient um, and you give them a, a sheet showing them what stretches to do but actually it's, it's really important to sit down with them and this is where fitness instructors can really you know come into their own to, to give that client the time to go through the stretch to make sure they're doing it correctly but also to decide when that person is going to do it because that's the problem most people just don't do the stretches because of you know childcare and all sorts of other commitments you know you know long working hours that kind of thing and then again another thing and again i it's been a long time since i worked as a fitness instructor so i apologize if anyone's already doing this but one of the things that i would advise that the fit pro listeners to do is to decide at the onset how you're going to measure the effectiveness of the stretching so what i mean by that is if you've got a, a somebody says I've got a stiff hamstring, would you have, have been successful if they come back to you having done a week of you know hamstring stretches and they say yes I've got this stiffness, or would it be that you're trying to increase the range of movement in their hamstrings so if they lie on their back and they do what we call a straight leg raise to test the, the length of the hamstrings, would they have a better straight leg raise? You know, so is there an increased range in that joint? But again, effectiveness could relate to how frequently a client is performing. So let's say someone's been discharged from hospital and they say, oh, that physio was rubbish. I didn't really listen to me or give me any proper stretches. What might be effective, something for you to monitor as a fitness instructor, is simply how frequently the client is doing the stretch. They might not even be doing it right, but the, the fact that they are getting into the, a routine of doing it on a daily basis, you know, that's really important. So think about how you're going to measure the effectiveness for that client and then of course revise the stretching program you know they come back to you and maybe they've just actually been doing it wrong so when you do a calf stretch your feet need to be facing forwards and maybe you know the foot's facing out and they're not getting quite as much stretch as they as they could get you know so you do need to revise it and again with physiotherapy quite often people don't see the same physio they'll see someone else and they're not quite sure which stretch they've been given or they've lost their stretching sheets you know that kind of thing and I think fitness instructors are in a really marvellous position position aren't they to really make that client feel valued and to monitor their stretching program Hmm. so visualize measure results and revise and analyze yeah Absolutely. That's great. I think that's something that the fit pros can really take home and, and implement themselves. So what would you say are some misconceptions perhaps then about uh, prescribing active stretching? 
Well, the misconceptions tend to come from the clients themselves because, unfortunately, you know, with the World Wide Web, it's a great source of information, but there's a lot of misinformation out there. Mm, everyone thinks so, they're the best. Yeah, they'll Google something, and actually, it's not right, or it's potentially dangerous. Mm. And I think one of the common misconceptions is that it needs to hurt. You need to stretch your pain barrier, um, and we know that that is not the case particularly following injury, because quite often they'll just re-injure themselves. And so I think it's really important that the, you know, the, the fitness pro monitors that person's progress, but also just sticks to one or two stretches, and rather than the clients saying, oh, I've got all these things that I've discovered, and this chapman says this, and someone else did this, you know, that kind of thing. Unless they are a fitness professional themselves, then, then um, I would kind of just dissuade them from looking around and just uh, follow your guidance as the professional. Mm. So really getting the fallacies which you know of, making those apparent to the client could perhaps stop them going and researching it themselves and then falling into those traps. Yeah, and you know, I think that the fitness instructors out there, we all work with different types of client and you and you kind of you can get a feel for the kind of client that you're working with, can't you? And obviously we don't want to lose rapport with them because that's really important and you get different types of client and you get some clients that have no knowledge at all. And also, I think sometimes they have got a, a fitness sheet, and it, it, if you're working with someone and they've, say, been discharged from hospital, how relevant and how current is the information they've been given? Maybe they've only just been given it, or maybe it's from two years ago. Because I've had clients who they've actually hurt themselves more because they've been doing, I had one fairly recently, and they were given uh, stretches for their hips, and then they'd hurt their back, so they kept on doing the hip stretches because they thought that would help. But actually, the hip stretches were aggravating the low back pain. They just thought it would be useful to do. And I think, you know, fit stretches are really, you know, uh, competent in making their own decisions as to which stretches they, they prescribed and they monitor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. So then perhaps we could move on to talking about specific injuries then. So in a technical sense, would you be able to explain the difference between a sprain and a strain? Uh, yeah, so a, a sprain is a wrenching, a tearing, it's a sort of an overstretching of a ligament. So ligaments are those things that are normally shown white on the anatomy diagrams, aren't they? And they um, they hold bone to bone, so they stabilise joints. And then a, a strain is the wrenching and tearing of a muscle or its tendon. And the way I remember it is strain has a T in it. So if you think of tendon, that is associated with a muscle. So a strain is the wrenching, tearing of a muscle or its tendon, but the sprain is the ligament that holds the bone together. I see these in the anatomy lab all the time because I, I teach in an anatomy lab, so I do a little a workshop there for therapists and fitness instructors, and they're really fascinated when they actually get to see them in real life. And one of the things that we, we discover in the lab is that they're actually all stuck together. So it is, although anatomically we can differentiate them in, in textbooks, physiologically, when you see them in the human body, uh, they do have sort of different functions, obviously, but they are they really sort of all gammy and stuck together. Oh, of course. So it's a lot, more, lot more complicated than you imagine it in your head. Perhaps yeah. sometimes you think everything's all separate, but not at all. No, they're so, not, not at all. So, in terms of stretching, what different exercises can you do for each of these different injury types? Oh, well, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because it's because they're kind of stuck together that, in fact, let's say we had someone with um, an ankle injury. If they had an ankle sprain, or if they strained the Achilles tendon, then 
the initial active stretches would be very much the same. So what you'd encourage someone to do is you wouldn't do passive stretches on them. We'd encourage them to move their foot within what we call the pain-free range. So they do, you know, the toe pointing, it's called plantar flexion, the toes pulled up, the dorsiflexion, and they do what we call inversion and eversion. So in other words, you know when you circle your ankle, that kind of incorporates all of those movements. And we get people to do that within the pain-free range because... People say, well, that's not a stretch day, but it is because you are, there is a slight limitation there. And if people stay within that pain range, they don't try and push through it, then gradually they get more and more movement in their, in their ankle joints. So quite often in the early stages, the, the stretches that you would give people are exactly the same. But there's, there's lots of things you can do. If someone's got an injury and they can't perform any active stretches, the fitness instructor could do stretches on other parts of the body. So I was thinking about this before you called me, and I was thinking, well, I've had lots of clients that have had very severe ankle sprains. So they've, they've torn a ligament, you know, in their ankle, or they've actually had a strain, but they've ruptured the Achilles tendon, and they've been on crutches. So they're non-weight-bearing. That means they're hobbling about with crutches. They can't put that foot on the floor for a period of two or three weeks because, you know, it's, it's going to re-injure them. They might even be in a cast or a boot or something like that to protect them. And if you think about using, if anyone's listening to ever use crutches, then your hands just ache for anything. So what are called your, your finger flexors, you know, and your biceps, your elbow flexors, when you're on crutches, they're really, really tense because, you know, you have to use those crutches to get up and make a cup of tea or go to the loo and all that kind of thing. And even the, the shoulder adductors, so the muscles that bring your shoulders, you know, you know your arms into the body... When anyone is on crutches, you try and do a passive stretch by taking their arm out and above their head, and they can really feel it. And so, you know, fitness instructors could work with those kind of people to stretch all the finger muscles out, you know, stretch the elbow muscles, that kind of thing, even though the instructor themselves or the client maybe can't stretch the, the injured part. So there's lots we can do with, with therapeutic stretching. It's really about, you know, tailoring it to that client. Of course. Do you think that just in general we stretch enough? No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a stretching guru in that I, I'm the same as everyone else, you know, I'm human. And I, you know, certainly for the PhD, I've had to do lots of data inputting for certain things and I had to take a lot of photographs of people in their underwear and I was taking all the postural assessment photos. So I was sort of kneeling down taking photos and uh, uh, that's a really good example that in that case I actually couldn't take a break and that was because we were taking photographs at the same time as what's a gait analysis machine called the Vicon to see if they matched the photos taken on the app that I'm developing so I was in the same posture for a really long period of time for at least an hour with each participant and I couldn't move and I couldn't get up and stretch because we had to do it to this kind of sequence it just wasn't appropriate and people didn't want to be in the lab for hours on end you know they wanted to come in and go and then of course typing up on my notes so I end up with this very curved back shape and I end up feeling a bit stiff and we, none of us, you know, I know about stretching and I know what we should do and I think we do, you're quite, it's a really good question, Jack. We just don't do it enough and we hear about it and fitness instructors are in a, you know, your fit pros out there, they're in a great position to chip away at that and support people in the general population as well as people who've had injuries at becoming more more flexible but just, in, you know, incorporating stretching into their daily life and there are a lot, I know we haven't got time to talk about it today but there are loads of ways that we can do that. Hmm, well, perhaps that's one for another time. It's so interesting you, you spoke about your back and your posture hurting because it is something which affects absolutely everyone at some point. It's, it's a shame that we can't all incorporate these sort of things into our everyday yeah. life. But perhaps you could touch a little bit about kyphotics postures 
and the types of haptic stretches that are used used to aid the movement and recovery of the trunk because as you say it's yes. something which affects absolutely everyone yeah it's a good point jack the the problem with kyphotic postures that's when you become we've all got a kyphosis in the back and that's the natural curve well that most people have some people don't have it they have what i call a flat back and they actually have quite a lot of back pain your, your spine's supposed to have this natural curve in it that your, your readers might have heard about your, your listeners might have heard about so you've got this lovely lordotic curve in the neck and then you've got a kyphotic curve in the back in the upper back and then you've got this lumbar lordotic curve you know in in, in the bottom that's a, a lordosis there in the, in the lumbar spine and the problem with the upper back as we know is it it because perhaps we, we're doing everything with our arms in front of us we've moved from you know walking all full on all fours to standing upright that we become more and more bent over more and more kyphotic and there are some really significant and important disadvantages to that posture and again my, my sort of uh, my area of research is, is actually in posture and does posture impact you know is posture and our posture and pain related and quite a lot of people say that they're not but you've only got to sit in a kyphotic posture posture for a couple of hours to get back pain or neck pain and one of the problems is this if anyone's listening to this and they're not driving you know not, not doing anything unsafe like you know operating chewing um if you bend over and you make yourself into a kyphotic posture and then you try and breathe in while you're in that posture uh, how does that feel? Obviously, you can't breathe in very well. Whereas if you sit upright and you imagine, you know, there's, um, you're like a puppet and there's a, a string through the top of your head and you're in a more upright posture and then you try and take a deep breath in, you can feel there's a big difference there, isn't there? So before you even think about stretching, active stretches, the first advice that one of the fit pros could give someone is to simply correct their posture that client's posture on a daily basis by sitting up up straight and you think well you know that's not a stretch but you need to be in that position to do the chest stretches so that's the first thing because it affects breathing and then another thing that um we could do is encourage wall stretches so simply standing up against a wall a bit as if you're going to be shot you know put your arms out against the wall and just standing in that position with your arms against the wall without doing any movement without trying to do complicated you know physio movements or anything like that or stabilize your scapulas just try and stand with your back flat against the wall and pushing your arms backwards into the wall so that's an active chest stretch again there's all kinds of modifications on this but one of my favorite ones is simply getting a client to roll up a towel so they roll up a towel and they lie on that towel with it behind their head running all the way down their spine and it's important that it's behind the head otherwise the head sort of falls back and they get a bit of a neck ache mm-hmm. and then what they do is they just lie in a in a cross shape you know like a crucifix shape so they've got this towel all the way down their spine and what it does is it opens up the chest so anyone who's been driving for long periods or sitting at a desk for a long period of time when they're in that crucifix type position then the chest you know is opened up of course so your arms are out and the towel runs runs behind you yeah, like at 90 degrees, your arms are out for your body back 90 degrees. And you know, like, you know, you sometimes see people making sand angels and snow angels in the sand. Have you ever seen those yeah. kind of shapes with kids that kids like to do? It's that kind of posture. And then, of course, you know, you could, you know, make it, you could advance it by getting people to, to stretch the front part of their body by putting their arm on a wall and, you know, moving away and that kind of thing. But if you start with the simple ones with both arms together and then gradually build up so that they're taking, because whenever they take the arms behind themselves, that's 
when the, the chest muscles are going to stretch. And because and the, the, the problem with kyphotic posture is that it doesn't just affect your breathing, but it affects you know, the front of your shoulder. So people with kyphotic postures often get shoulder injuries. And anyone who's teaching sort of, you know, power moves and weightlifting above the head will know that it, as the shoulder moves forward, that's, that's potentially aggravating. You get impingement syndromes. But also it affects thoracic mobility. And we need to have a mobile spine to be able to breathe. And, and if it's, you know, that uh, line on your back and keep taking the arms behind you, that helps just to mobilise the spine a little bit. And it's really safe. You're not doing anything to, to the person there. They're adopting that posture themselves. So those are some of the key things I'd say the simplest. But, you know, on a, on a, if they can do those, then they'll make a really a, a big difference to their posture. Of course, they will, they will have such an impact on everything else. I think that's really great advice and something that they can take home. I think that's all we've got time for today, unfortunately, Jane. But thank you so much for speaking with the listeners. I'm sure that they'll really enjoy it. Jane has therapeutic stretching as well as a number of other books which are available on human kinetics website now so be sure to check those out for more information as well as that you could attend one of jane's active workshops where she put that she puts on covering all kinds of things physiotherapy uh you can find those on her facebook page yeah, if they join join um, the Friendly Physio group, they get commented on the Friendly Physio group and also on Jane Johnson workshops. It's just a Facebook page. Absolutely. And they always go up there as soon as they go live. Some of them fill up really quickly. The dissection fills up within about 14 days. So if that's something anyone's interested in, you don't actually do any cutting, but you see all the, you know, the muscles. It's quite short. It's only three hours. But, you know, don't sit on that one because it does go very quickly. Of course. Well, be sure to check all of that out as well as Jane's books. Jane, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jack. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. For more information about FitPro education and for details on FitPro membership and insurance, you can visit us at fitpro.com. We hope you enjoy today's podcast and see you next time.